Man, what a privilege it is to experience the stories of our church. What a genuine privilege it is to know that God is moving not just here on Sundays, but he is moving on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And where God enters in the story, amen, something happens. Something shifts. I want you to look at somebody in Stone County and in Jones County right now in this room, look at somebody around you and say he's just getting started. He's just getting started. And y'all, I'm just getting started and my voice is already going out. Y'all gonna have to deal with me today. Um, my voice decided not to work with me this week. And so we're gonna be here together. I need, I'm gonna need you guys to be participants in today's experience. Can you help me? By praying with me that about 10 minutes before this message goes out that my voice doesn't start first. But we're gonna be in this together and the Lord's going to be with us. I wanna welcome you to the week after Easter. You made it. This is a special Sunday. Why, you ask? Because it's Sunday. Well, you say the chocolate was last week. That's true. The, the candy bag, we had a photo. Um, Henley Grace wanted to put the, um, her Easter basket right at the front door, so she put it on our welcome map. So we have a, a son named Hatcher. He is five months old, and he got a basket this year as well. Henley Grace wasn't too thrilled by that. And so she decided that the best way to put them out together was to put Hatcher's basket under hers. And so there was Hatcher's basket underneath Henley Grace's so that she would get all the candy this year. Last week at Easter, she was so excited about Easter. And man, what a powerful weekend we had last weekend, huh? Just seeing how God has been moving in the midst of our church, just seeing how he's taken and he's doing things. But here's the thing. For so often, I have thought to myself, okay, Easter is a really good day. It's a really good moment. It is our Super Bowl. I've said it myself. Maybe you've thought the same way, right? Like Easter is a day on the calendar that we experience the resurrection of Christ and it's amazing and we have fun and we eat crawfish afterwards. At least in my family, that's what we do, amen. And so, you know, Easter is just that moment where it's just everything is so good, but then we move on. Then we move on to the week after Easter, the week after the week after Easter, and we move on to the next thing. What's the next thing? Well, on the calendar, it's Pentecost, or on the calendar, it's, right, it's Mother's Day or Father's Day where we grill out and don't come to church. Like, it's all of these different things. Like, with so many things that happen that come up this summer, it's travel ball, it's all this really cool, fun stuff that we do, but here's the thing. What if Easter wasn't just a day? What if Easter wasn't just something we celebrated once a year, but the week after Easter, we get just as excited and empowered and living in victory as we did on Easter Sunday? I believe that that's the whole reality of when the tomb opened up and Jesus stepped out, that as soon as that took place, that Easter was forevermore, that we get to live in the power and the victory. And as we wrap up our victory series today, This is gonna be a short message that challenges you and challenges myself to live in the victory of Easter. Not just celebrate it, not just be spectators towards it, but to be participants in the power and victory of Christ through the Resurrection Sunday. In fact, I'm so excited about this message today, I'm just gonna go ahead and give you the main point up front. I'm just gonna go ahead and give you the, the, the whole kit and caboodle right here. It is still day one. It's still day one. 
That's what we're gonna be looking at today. All of the victory that flowed out of the tomb when Jesus left that grave is the same power that lives in you. If you have received Christ in your life and you have made him the Lord and Savior of your soul, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now, it's easy not to believe that because life gets in the way. And in fact, on that very first day, there were two knuckleheads named John and Peter that didn't get it either. And we're gonna look at their story because something happened to John and to Peter. Something changed in their life that helped them to experience resurrection power and victory. So let's go to John chapter 20. If you have your scriptures, go ahead and open up, pull it up on the app. The Venture Church app is available as well. We're gonna start in John chapter 20, starting in verse one. We're gonna see the story of John and Peter as they go to the tomb. I think it's just fascinating that they've lived three years with Jesus and this is their response to the resurrection. Let's go to verse one. It says, early on the first day of the week, I want you to circle that phrase, first day of the week. Circle it and write out there, day one. If you got a pen, just day one. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, that was John, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and, and we don't know where they've put him. And so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and he kind of peeked in. He looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter ran along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. And the cloth was still lying in its place. It was separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Then verse nine says, they still did not understand from scripture what Jesus, that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then verse 10, it's probably the most heartbreaking verse of this whole section. It says, and then the disciples went back to where they were staying. My prayer for each and every one of us today is that as we experience Easter in the story of Jesus Christ, and we hear in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, that it would impact us at such a level that we wouldn't just go back to where we were staying. That it would change us, that it would do something in our lives. This was Peter and John, they had been hearing the story, Jesus had been telling them, hey listen, I'm gonna have to go, I'm gonna have to die, but don't, hold on, don't freak out, I'm gonna be raised from the dead, and I'm gonna have victory. Like, I'm going, you're going to experience this power, and the moment that it happened, the moment that John and Peter ran to the tomb, they peeked in, and they were wondering, man, I wonder what's going on. That's, that's really cool. I guess he's, he's not here. So uh, Peter, what you wanna do? Yeah, you wanna, you wanna go on back? All right, let's go back. You want Burger King? Okay, let's do it. And just kinda heading on back into their lives, back to the disciples, like as if nothing had ever happened. So often we do the same thing. Easter comes around and we celebrate it and we get excited, but we are spectators to it, not participants in it. There's a difference. It's not just about watching the tomb, the stone be rolled away from the tomb. It's not just about looking in, it's about experiencing. This is what Jesus came to give us. Several years ago, had the opportunity to go up to Washington, D.C. It's one of my favorite cities. I'm a history nerd, so like I love going to the National Mall. 
I love going to the Smithsonian's, right? Seeing all the, the spaceships and everything and going to the National Monument, going up to the Washington. It's just so much fun. But I've been several times. And so this time I was with a group of friends. We were hanging out and we wanted to do something different, right? We didn't want to just like go to the National Mall, hang out and, you know, go eat somewhere that was known. We wanted to go to this like niche spot, you know, when you've been to a city a few times, you just want to go to the place. So like, yo, tell us where the place is. We don't want to just eat at Union Station again. So they, took, they told us about this place. We, we head over there, and we're eating dinner in, in an uptown place of, uh, of D.C., and uh, they told us whenever we went, hey, keep your eyes out. You might, you know, see some paparazzi. There's where some people like to go and hang out, some famous people. I'm like, famous people? I don't know a lot of famous people, so I'm really excited about this. So we're going and we're eating dinner and I'm just hanging out, doing my thing, you know, and my friends are there. And I was like, this is such a cool place. Let's get a picture. And so I tell my friends, come on, let's get a picture. And we didn't have anybody to take the picture. So I just randomly, very nicely, tapped this man on the shoulder who was sitting right at the restaurant. I said, excuse me, sir, would you mind taking this picture of my friends and I while we're here? We want to, you know, commemorate the moment. He was like, yeah, man, sure, that's, that's no problem. He's really down, I don't know why. But he was like, sure, I'll take your picture. And I turned back to my friends, and they're both over here standing like this. And I'm like, what? Was it something I said? Was it something I did? Like, did my breath smell bad? Like, what's going on? And they, was like, no. they were just like stoned. And so the guy gets up, and I come over here, and I'm like, and they're just both. <laughs> and he takes the picture. And I was like, man, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You know, have a good one. Have a great night tonight. He was like, it will be a tonight. And I was like, okay, good. And he walks off. And I'm like, man, awesome, let's go. Let's go get some ice cream or something. And he says, my friends look at me and like, Blake, do you know who that was? Like, no, I don't have a clue who that was. It was a, it was a random redheaded dude, like just took our picture, photographer, I don't know. He's like, that was Conan O'Brien. <laughs> like, what? So shows how culturally inept I am. I don't, didn't know who Conan O'Brien was, but he was there and I get to say forevermore that Conan took our picture. I wish I had the picture to show you today, but he, he seemed really down. I think it was in between jobs. I think it was one of those moments. But how crazy was it that I was this close? I was in this much proximity to what culture describes as greatness, but I missed the moment. I was a spectator to it, but I wasn't a participant in it. How many times for us ourselves can we be spectators to the power of God and not participants in it? This is what John and Peter experienced, but it's the same thing that changed their life. Something in their life changed. We're gonna read a story in a moment where they were tapped in, they were connected in to the power of God. Something shifted, what was it? Paul gives it to us in Ephesians chapter one. I want us to go there for just a few minutes. <clears throat> as we continue to look at the effects of the empty tomb. What is it about the tomb that changes our lives and gives us victory? Paul is experiencing the same thing at the church of Ephesus. The church is in this place where they had fallen in love with Christ. They, they were given their lives for Jesus. But over time, the effects of time started to, started to make headway against the power of the gospel. A little bit of time had gone through. They had experienced the fire of Jesus up front, but as time went on, that began to diminish. And so Paul was encouraging them once again to tap back into that day one power because the power of the gospel, the power of the empty tomb, it never loses its luster. We just get separated from it. And so this is what he says in, in verse 18 of chapter one. I wanna start here. 
Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. He says this, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Like I want you to wake up. I want you to experience this goodness. I want you to be enlightened to this in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. I love that. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. I don't know about you, but when I read that verse, it's almost unbelievable. It's almost too good to be true. Peter, uh, Paul is saying here that the very power that raised Christ from the dead is the one that lives in us. So what does the empty tomb give to us? What perspective do we take out? How do we live our lives on this side of the empty tomb? He gives us three things. The first one is the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. There's few things in life that give us more consistency than confidence. There's very few things in life that allow us to live at the highest level with the most confidence than the hope that we have that we're not gonna fall. Yesterday, actually, Henley went to um, this little arcade in Biloxi. We took her for the first time and she's excited. It has a ropes course, very similar to the one in Hattiesburg at the zoo where they put a harness on and she gets to walk around with the little rope and she gets to walk to all the different places. Well, when we first got her on there, she was excited to do it, but she was very nervous. She, she didn't want to kind of move from side to side. She only wanted to stay on the perimeter, uh, on this little bridge or on this little rope swing or something like that. She didn't want to go to the inside. The inside was harder. It was also more distant from Lauren and myself. She couldn't get to us as quickly. And so she didn't want to go around. She just wanted to go around the perimeter. And so I looked at her. I looked at her and I said, baby, you can do this. That rope that you're tethered into, that rope that's harnessed into you, it's not gonna let you fall. It's not gonna let you hit the ground. In fact, you can lean back and I showed her how to lean back and all this kind of good stuff. I said, as long as you're tethered to this rope, you're never going to fall and you can always put yourself back on the path. And what's more, I'm gonna be right here the whole time and I'm gonna help you walk across. And so the first time that she did, she was a little hesitant, but she walked, she kind of slipped a little bit, but she caught the rope, saw that the rope wasn't gonna let her fall, and she kept moving. About two minutes later, she was zooming around this thing, just going. She looked like an ant on an anthill, man. It was, just, it was just crazy. And then she paused, she turned back and looked at me, and just with the most sass that you could ever imagine, she said, Daddy, it's okay if you go sit over there. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Head on over there. The hope of his calling is this, is that as long as we are tethered in to the gospel, as long as we are tethered in to the empty tune, as long as we are tethered in to Jesus Christ, our hope, our savior, our king, our Lord, there is nothing in this world, there is no circumstance, no path that you will take that will ever cause you to stumble and fall because you are locked in to the goodness of the empty tune. This is the hope of his calling. We can take confidence in this. You say, Blake, you don't know my story. 
You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what's happening in this season right now. I just relapsed. I just had a divorce. I just experienced pain that you cannot imagine. And hear me, I know the pain is there, but the confidence is this, that as long as we are on this side of the resurrection, this empty tomb tells us that when God's in it, your story is never over. Your story is never finished. The disciples, they thought it was done. They thought when Jesus went into the tomb, that the story was over. But the confidence of the resurrection that we live in every single day from here on out, the day one mentality is this, is I'm going to pursue the calling that he has placed on my life with such fervor and excitement and confidence because I know as long as I'm pursuing him and I'm pursuing the path that he has set out for me, that there is nothing that's going to cause my feet to come off of this path. I may stumble. I may try to slip. I may even fall off, but as long as I'm tethered to the king, I ain't going anywhere. It's the hope of his calling. The resurrection proves that our story is never done. The second thing that Paul tells us is not only do we have a hope in his calling, but we also have the riches of his glorious inheritance. Now that is a very tongue-twisty phrase. It's heavy. It's not something that we say in everyday conversation. Paul, thanks a lot. How are you doing today? Oh, you know, I'm just living in the riches of his glorious inheritance. What? What does that even mean? Like, bro, you could have used some different words, but he was inspired by God, so we're gonna just go with him. And so like the riches of his glorious inheritance, we have to unpack this to truly understand what it means for us today. Think about this word riches. It's something that's valuable, right? It's something that you wanna hold on to. It's something that you wanna keep. You wanna put it up on a shelf. You wanna display it and say, this is something valuable. This is something worth living for. This is something worth giving my life towards. It's riches, it's exciting. But what are those riches? The riches are this, it's his glorious inheritance in his saints. What was given to Christ at the moment that the tomb opened up was dominion and power and authority. He stepped out a king. Everything was put underneath his feet. Everything was now in his power. Everything that as soon as he stepped out, he said, it's mine. That's his inheritance. What he gains as a result of being the savior, he stepped out in power with the keys and we live in a new creation. Day one mentality is this, is that that same inheritance has been placed inside of us. We are now the agents of Jesus. Believe it or not, y'all, he chose us to go and to tell his good news. He chose us. Now, to you, that may not sound like the best plan. And quite honestly, when I look at my life, that doesn't always seem like the best plan either. But he chose us. He put his inheritance inside of us and said, now this new creation, if it's gonna go out into the world, it's gonna go out through you. You are invited, the empty tomb, the cross in the empty tomb is an invitation to live a rich and fulfilled life. Now that richness, that fulfillment isn't what you think it probably is. You're like, Blake, are you telling me that if I just pray, I'm gonna get all the money I need, right? Everything's gonna be perfect and I'm gonna be rolling, you know? No, that's not what I'm saying. The rich and fulfilled life is a life that is pursuing the calling of Jesus on your life. 
It's living in such a way where you say, every breath that I take, Lord, everything that I have is for you. Every breath that I breathe, every movement that I make, every meeting that I attend, every chance I get to teach my kids about you, everything is this inheritance. And the rich and fulfilled life is the confidence of knowing that we're living in the way that he set out for us. We're tethered in to an inheritance that is glorious and is put on display. It's the challenge then to live in that light. But then we go to the third thing Paul tells us, and this is the one that blows my mind the most, honestly. The incomparably great power. This same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that lives in you. I want you to pause on that for just a second. There really isn't anything that I need to say about that. Just let it rest on you for a minute. As we think and contemplate the power that raised our Lord Christ from the dead is actively residing inside of you. Now for every excuse the enemy is now placing in your mind, I want you to just tell him that the power is here. Because I know that there's a lot of excuses. There's a lot of thoughts and mentalities in my own mind as well where you say, man, I'm, I'm too broken. Like you don't, you don't know what I'm experiencing. There's no way that power, the power could be here because I have too broken of a story or I'm too young. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the voice. I don't have the look. I don't have the way I can't do it. The power has lost its luster. That was 2,000 years ago, Blake. There's no way that I could experience that same power now, but the beauty of the empty tomb is, is that when victory stepped out, it stepped out once and for all. And there is no story that's too broken. There is no person that is too lost. There is no person that's too far from God. There is no generation that is too wayward. There is no country that is too far gone. There is nothing that cannot be conquered by the power of Christ. When he stepped out, he stepped out for good. And now he is living actively in our lives. We have hope, we have an inheritance, and we have a power. That's the day one mentality. And so my challenge to you today is this, to go out of fear and live in that power, to live in that inheritance, to step forward into the calling that God has placed. For far too long, so many of us have been living half lives where we've been walking around saying, God, it's been great seeing you from a distance. God, I love the empty tomb. I'll see it next year. I'll see you next year, Lord. I can't wait to celebrate you next Easter. But would we be participants in the power of God? We would see our cities changed. You wanna know why we see so many stories taking place in our church? is because the power of God is resting on his people. And it's just getting started. That's the challenge to each one of us. Would we live in that power, in that inheritance, and in that hope? Because that's what happened to Peter and John too. Something changed in them. They, they moved from being spectators to being participants. And so we see in Acts 3, one more story of what happened to these two men who merely went and looked in at the tomb. Something shifted, 
And now they were living in the hope and inheritance and in the power of Christ. In Acts 3, starting in verse 1. This is what it says. It says, one day, I want you to circle that. Circle that. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him as did John. And they said, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, hey, silver or gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you freely. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This man's life was changed because Peter and John were living in day one victory, in day one power. Did you see this at the very top of the story? Did you see how the story began? It said one day, one day, one random day. This man had been sitting there for years. He was probably even sitting there when Jesus was on the earth doing miracles every day, day after day after day, begging for the same thing, silver or gold. Do you have it? Do you have it? Do you have it? It was just one day when John and when Peter, living in day one victory of the resurrection, stepped foot to this man as they said, hey man, the thing that you're wanting, silver or gold, We don't have it, but the very thing that we do have, we're gonna give to you freely in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in the name of the power and the victory and all of the confidence and the inheritance that we are living in, we are now freely passing it over to you. Rise up and walk. And that man's life was forever changed. You wanna know why we live in day one mentality and day one victory is so that other people can experience their one day. We live in day one so that other people experience a one day. God is good, and he is using us to go out into the highways, into the byways, in our cityways, and into our workplaces, and into our friend groups to say, I am broken, I don't have it put together, but I'm standing confidently in the power of God, and I can't give you what you're asking for, but I can give you what you need. Let me tell you about my Savior, Jesus. Let me tell you what he did for me. And let me pass it freely on to you so that their one day could turn into day one. My friends, it's still day one. And it's never not gonna be. Every head bowed and every hound closed across every location in church online. My prayer for you today is that this hits home. Maybe you've been living that half-life that we talked about, just simply skirting around the edges of faith, and God is calling you fully to step and plant your feet on the same ground of the empty tomb that he did. My prayer for you today is that you would do that. Maybe there's somebody on your mind that needs to experience their one day. My prayer is that you would be the shining light of day one victory in their life that they need. 
Whatever that looks like for you, we're gonna move into a time of response. You can come down to the cross at all of our locations. You can write something down, pin it to the cross. Maybe you need to come and take the Lord's Supper, take communion and reflect on the fact that Christ did die for you. You need to give your life to him today. You need to give everything over to him today. Maybe you just need prayer. There's something blocking you from experiencing that day one victory. You just need somebody in your life that's gonna come up and say, I'm gonna pray with you. I'm gonna stand in the gap for you. Our prayer team will be available at all of our locations. Don't let the enemy rob you of that victory. Don't let the tyranny of the urgent keep you from responding in what the Lord's doing right now. Let me pray for us, Father. We are undeserving of your grace. We're undeserving of your love, but you are so, so, so good. Father, when we are weak, you are strong. Father, I pray that in each and every one of our lives, the day one power and victory of your son would move in our lives to such an extent that it would, it would resurrect cities, Lord. That it would resurrect communities, that it would resurrect families and generations. God, would we be so broken for our friends? Would we be so, so committed to them hearing about you, that we would give everything, that we would plug into the rich inheritance and that every day would be Easter for us, Lord. There is no day from here on out that you are not King and you are not Lord. Help us move now. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.